Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to James chapter 3, page 855 in the Pew Bible, and we'll read the entire uh, chapter of James 3. And following the reading of Scripture, we'll sing together the Gloria Patri. Please stand for the reading of God's Holy Word. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. But where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes down from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And God will add his blessing to this reading of his word. Amen. How can we thank God for the rich comfort of his love in that he has delivered us from our sin and misery? Well, part of the answer is the moral law, which we've been working our way through, and we're in commandment number nine today. Uh, Remember these commandments. The first commandment is the law of loyalty. The second commandment is the law of worship. The third commandment is the law of reverence. The fourth commandment is the law of rest. The fifth commandment is the law of authority. Uh, The sixth commandment is the law of life. The seventh commandment is the law of purity. The eighth commandment is the law of property. And today, the ninth commandment is the law of the tongue. 
What is the ninth commandment? You shall give no, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Well, what is that um, telling us not to do? Where's the focus of that particular commandment? The focus of that commandment begins in a legal setting. Uh, One commentator on uh, the Deuteronomy collection of the commandments, he says the wording of the commandment indicates that the primary prohibition has to do with the process of law. The word witness refers to a statement given against a neighbor that is a fellow member of the covenant community in a legal case. The worst type of false witness would be that which would lead to the, to the death sentence. But any false witness would lead to the possibility of a miscarriage of justice. So the primary focus of the command is not bearing false witness against your neighbor in a court of law. But we can take the application a little broader that the ninth commandment also is saying that you and I should not say anything that would injure our neighbor, that would injure their reputation, that would bring harm to them. So it would govern our words in a more general sense that we should not say anything that would injure the reputation of our neighbor. But we can take it a little broader even yet from Scripture and that the Ninth Commandment also would have the application that it governs all of our speech, not just the testimony to or against or for or against the neighbor, but it governs, in a sense, all of our speech, that it should be holy and righteous. And the Bible's full of reminders of this. In Proverbs 18, it says... Death and life are in the power of the tongue. In Proverbs 15, it says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. So there you have the tongue, which on the one hand can bring death, and on the other hand brings life. It's a powerful instrument in our bodies, the tongue. Uh, In James, we read that the unbridled tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Powerful, powerful instrument. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Jesus has something to say about our words. And it's good for us to think about it. Matthew chapter 12. I especially want you to focus on 36 and 37, but let's pick up the flow of the context. And begin at verse 33. So Matthew 12, verse 33. He says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and the fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word that they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted and by your words you will be condemned. So Jesus says it's not just the deliberate words 
But even the idle words, the offhand words, the 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 things we say that are just uh, just offhand, that we're going to have to ha- hold be held accountable to those things. Uh, I feel guilty enough about the things I plan to say. Uh, it's kind of overwhelming to think about the old things I didn't even think about that I was going to say. But Jesus is saying that's extremely important. There's a prayer in Psalm 141. This is a prayer that we ought to make a prayer of our life. It says, set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Lord, shut the door of my mouth when I'm going to say something I shouldn't say. That's a good prayer. It's a prayer we all need to make. A.W. Pink reflects on the commandment. He says, whereas the the Eighth Commandment provides for the security of our neighbor's property, the Ninth Commandment is designed to preserve our neighbor's good name. And it needs to be protected in our speaking the truth in love. A principle, I think, behind this commandment, why was this included in the Ten Commandments? Why was this important part of loving our neighbor as ourself? Why did God feel it necessary to put this in here? Because at root, it, it's connected to the, the heart and the character of the covenant relationship and our covenant God. Our covenant God is a faithful God who cannot lie. And the covenant relationship, the, the essential essence of the covenant relationship is the faithfulness of God to his promises and to his people. And God not only exemplifies it himself, but he wants there to be faithfulness between God and man, between man and man, and man and God. <clears throat> and when we deal deceitfully and dishonestly and speak as a false witness, we are the epitome of unfaithfulness. And it violates the character of our God and the character of his covenant love. Lying insults not only our neighbor, but it insults God. Lying is not a part of God's character, but it is a part of Satan's character. Uh, Remember Jesus' comments to the Pharisees, you are of your father the devil, and of the lust of your father you will do. He was a liar from the beginning. It's the character of Satan to lie. He lied to Adam and Eve in the garden. He lies to you. He lies to God. We don't want to follow that path. Uh, we want to follow the character of, God, of our God who is faithful. So what is it that we are forbidden to do? We can make a list of some things. Uh, it's anything that would disparage our neighbor and prejudice people against him or her. Gossip, slander, silence. When something is said about our neighbor that is wrong and we don't speak up, we're tacitly approving of that. Lying and deception. Thomas Watson says, he that raises a slander carries the devil in his tongue. And he that receives it has a devil in his ear. 
were forbidden to be a party to any of this. Well, why, why would we do this? Why is it that we're tempted to bear false witness or to say something disparaging of our neighbor? Well, I think there are two at least motivations. One is malice. When we think in a hostile way toward our neighbor and we want to bring them down a peg. Of course, you have to ask yourself, is that your responsibility? Is that your job to do that? In most every case, the answer to that would be no. It's not your, that's not your job. But when we have malice toward our neighbor and we speak ill of them to bring them down, uh, to allow harm into their life, it's, we're acting out of this, this malice, this hostility. Another motivation that can work its way in here is pride. We want to look better than the other person. So we'll put down what they're doing, misrepresent what they're doing, not tell the whole story about them and what they're doing. We'll flatter someone because we want them to look, think of us as better than other people. And pride works its way in there in the way we speak. And the way we talk about people. And the way we, we, we address them and how we represent them. And the commandment is you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not speak in a way that's going to prejudice uh, other people toward them. There's a couple areas of struggle that we get into as we're thinking about the necessity and the importance of truthfulness and honesty and integrity. Not speaking evil, speaking well when we can, speaking the truth. How do we deal with the truth? That we tell the truth. One, there's there's two questions about that. Uh, are we required to tell the truth, all the truth, in every situation completely? And then the, the other half of it, which we'll get to in a moment, is we sometimes break this command even when we're telling the truth. But does this command require us that in every situation, in every circumstance, with every person, we tell, tell the truth or at least all the truth? And J.I. Packer, not wanting to play fast and loose myself with truth, he has some helpful observations He says, when one sits out to be truthful, new problems appear. There are people to whom it is clearly not right to tell the whole truth. Invalids, those not yet strong enough to take bad news. Enemies in wartime to whom one should not give information. And from whom, like Rahab and Joshua too, and Corrie ten Boom and her story in the hiding place, one may have fugitives to hide. Uh, the insane and bad folk who would use what you tell them to harm others. And he continues, does that square with the ninth commandment? In principle, yes. What is forbidden is false witness against your neighbor. The positive command implicit in this negative 
is that we should seek our neighbor's good and speak truth to him and about him to this end. When the love that seeks his good prompts us to withhold truth, that if spoken would bring him harm, the spirit of the ninth commandment is being observed. And I think he's right. I think there are times when you don't want to necessarily lie or be dishonest, but you don't have to speak all the truth or or to speak the truth in a certain situation. It takes wisdom, takes discernment, takes maturity, but sometimes those decisions have to be made. No, I I shouldn't say everything that I could say here in this situation. I need to be wise. And I think he's right. Uh, Ligonier uh, Ministries and Table Talk Magazine some years ago wrestled with this topic. Is lying uh, always wrong? And some of the additional thoughts it had besides what uh, J.I. Packer gave us. Um, It, of course, forbids all lying in court. But again, you have to tell all the truth. Tell the truth Nothing but the truth, so help you God. Yeah, you want to be truthful, but in every situation you tell all the truth. Uh, but in the Table of Talk magazine, it went on to talk about, uh, it listed, you know, dealing with an enemy, dealing with protecting your neighbor's life. Another arena, it says, where we accept deception as part of it is in games in the theater. We expect the other team to disguise what they're going to do in the contest, the, the athletic contest. I mean, that's just a part of the, the operation because they want to win and you want to win and you're going to disguise what you're doing. So they were just saying that's not uh, false witness against your neighbor. It's part of what is the uh, athletic contest. So we wrestle with We tell all the truth all the time completely. And uh, I think the answer is it takes maturity. Sometimes you, you don't. There's things you don't tell your kids because they're not ready to handle it yet. There's certain things you don't, wouldn't want to tell people because they're not ready to handle it yet. So you're not going to lie necessarily, but you don't necessarily have to tell all the truth to still be obeying this command. But the other part of that, what we wrestle with in this, is that we can be violating this commandment even when we're speaking the truth. Uh, One writer says, we endure the character of our neighbor when we speak of his real faults without any reason to divulge them. When we relate them to those who have no right to know them. And when we tell them not to promote any good end, but to make him lose his estimation in society. We transgress this precept when we do not speak at all, for by holding our peace when something is injurious, when something injurious is said of another, we tacitly give our assent by concealing what we know to the contrary. Sometimes you might know something true about someone, but to say it would be would bring harm to them. 
The positive side of the command is we need to do everything in our power to guard the reputation of our neighbor. And not to do that is disobedience to this commandment. There are things you will learn and you will know, perhaps stated to you in confidence, that it would be incredibly wrong for you to say to anyone. In my role as pastor, I'm told things. I'm glad that people feel free to tell me things. But it would be incredibly wrong and sinful for me to speak of those to anyone. It's something that we are working on. And there are, for me to speak what I know is true to someone else would be bearing false witness against my neighbor. It would be a sin. It would be wrong. It would be breaking this commandment. You and I, so the negative is we are not to bear false witness against our neighbor. Even if what we're saying may be true, we're not to do that. The positive side of the command is that we need to protect our neighbor's reputation. We need to stand up as a a witness for our, our, our neighbor. The shorter catechism Adding on to what we read in the Heidelberg Catechism says, regarding this command, it requires the maintaining and promoting of truth between a man and a man, of our own and our neighbor's good name, especially in witness bearing. In the larger catechism, it adds quite a bit more to that. And some of the things in the larger catechism, it says this, the positive side of this command It says we need to have a charitable esteem of our neighbors. Do we work at that? Do we try to cultivate a charitable esteem of our neighbors that we're going to believe the best, not the worst? That we lovingly desiring and rejoicing in their good name. Do you rejoice in their good name? Are you ready to receive a good report? How often are we ready to receive a bad report? The catechism says, no, what you need to be is you need to be ready to receive a good report. You need to be ready to to, uh, support that. You need to do all that you can within your power to protect the reputation uh, of your neighbor and to maintain their good name. And that's handling the truth in a godly way and not speaking in a way that's harmful for our neighbor. Uh, A.W. Pink gives a number of different counsels at the end of his um, commentary on this, but of of the different ones, the one I wanted to remind you of that he cites is to be obedient to this command, we need to reflect much upon your own sinfulness and weakness. Uh, One of the reasons that we tend to look down on others or speak ill of others is because we forget who we are. It's what Jesus talked about 
when he said that, you know, we're all concerned about the sliver in our brother's eye and we've forgotten about the plank in our own eye. And before we speak a word of criticism, it would be well worth us to reflect for a minute of uh, my own sin and weakness. Maybe that would help curb our tongues some. That that we might just think about that. Before I speak, who am I? And maybe it would help close the door of our mouth sometimes when it needs to be. You and I are the privilege to thank God by living in obedience to his command. And this command is before us today to not bear false witness to our neighbor, against our neighbor, and to do all that we can to protect their reputation. May you and I live in a godly way before our Lord and uh, keep this commandment. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for the, the richness of your love. Thank you for giving us these commandments that help guide us in a path of obedience and a path of thankfulness. How we can express to you the abundance of our our gratitude for all that you have done for us. May you uh, help us to walk in this way, to truly love our neighbor as ourselves, uh, to care for them more than I care for myself. And in that way, be, be able to be honoring to you and caring to them. And we just pray for your help to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.